Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being here. It's a bit of an early Arscast this week. That is because in a few hours I'm going to be leaving here, heading for the airport and flying to New York to catch up with the Arsenal tour of the U.S., which kicked off last night in Washington, D.C. with a 5-0 win over the MLS all-Stars, Arsenal are playing Manchester United on Saturday and then Barcelona in Los Angeles on Wednesday. So I'm going to be following the tour, etc., etc. So that's why this particular podcast is out a bit early. There's a lot going on in New York. I'll give you a bit more information about that uh, a bit later in the show with Curtis from Arsenal NYC. Now, though, I am just going to crack on with the show to talk about the bits and bobs that have been going on. Arsenal in the U.S., some very interesting comments about uh, certain players from Mikel Arteta and lots more with me to discuss that from CBS Sports. It's James Bench. Hello, James. Hi, Andrew. How you doing? I'm all right. Did you stay up late last night to watch the MLS All-Stars fall victim to Super Mikel Arteta's incredible team? No, I got up early to watch the game. Um <laughs> Got to Trossard's goal and then was like, mm, no, I'll watch the highlights of the rest. Yeah. Um, Women's World Cup, all that, you know. Of course. Too much going on. There's a lot going on, but there are things we can talk about from this, uh, this game against the MLS All-Stars. I did enjoy Wayne Rooney's quote about, you know, well, what do you take from this from a coaching perspective? And he said, nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> but for the Arsenal fans who were in Washington, D.C. last night to to see this team in their fetching new away kit, you know, there were a lot of things to be excited about, a lot of things to enjoy. Five goals, a goal for Gabriel Jesus, goal for Trossard, Jorginho penalty, um, and of course, a look at some of the, some of the new players. This is a, a game that Arsenal should win, right? I know it's not a, great, a game of great importance, but this is a game that Arsenal should win comfortably. And they did win comfortably, and I suppose that does in this early stage of preseason augur quite well. Yeah, I mean, I certainly got the sense from the, that opening half hour that it was it was being played at a bit of a pace. It, it's quite apparent, I think, that Mikel Arteta, whether it's a friendly, whether it's an FA Cup tie against Nottingham Forest or or whatever, he he doesn't want to see his players slacking off and not playing with full intensity, and he doesn't treat the occasion with full intensity. And you know, it certainly seemed like Arsenal played you know to the level that that they were capable of i mean it was really interesting they were saying on the commentary as well that arteta simply refused to give 
Apple the uh, the team team lineup until an hour before kickoff. So I think <laughs> there's an extent to which, like, you know, if Arteta's going to take it that seriously, I guess it's incumbent on us, you know, where possible, these aren't happening at normal times, to take it sort of as seriously as as, as we can. And um, I mean, the players did. I, I thought they were they were really strong, physical. They they clearly embraced yeah. the physicality, the challenge that that the MLS players would bring on there. It's pretty obvious that this is a league that um, it, it, where pace and power uh, are key components uh, and they are more than happy to give up a lot of space. I think Lionel Messi is going to have a great time. Uh, if he gets the space that they gave Jorginho and that they gave Trossard, yeah, he could probably win the golden boot, even if he only plays five games. Um, yeah. But good to see Arsenal going at it in a robust fashion. The start of the Premier League season is, is actually not that far away now. Mm. So, um, the intensity, the physicality, it all looked there from, from day one. Yeah, I, there was a quote from Follerin Balagoon uh, asked by Apple TV, how seriously did our uh, Mikel Arteta take this match? Deadly serious, I won't even lie. He's a relentless man, as you've seen. What you see with him is what you get. He's very demanding, and of course, that's a good mentality for us. When we're coming out here, we want to take every game seriously and play the right way. I mean, he is a relentless man, is probably right up there with the best description of Mikel Arteta's I've ever heard, apart from that. Um, I think there was an article in the in the Times, Sunday Times last season, where he was described as a steely little fucker. <laughs> uh, you know, he's a relentless, steely little fucker. I think that does sum up Mikel Arteta well, and, and, and it sort of speaks to the culture that he wants to instill from top to bottom at this football club, whether it's a friendly against MLS All-Stars, a friendly against United, Barcelona, Community Shield, Cup game. You know, he wants these guys to be on it in every single moment of every single game and it's you know i think you see so, so one of the things i've kind of absorbed a lot from afar obviously kind of my colleagues were were talking to arteta pre-match and watching that interview and kind of taking it in and seeing all the other media obligations he'd you know again there was no sense with him that that this was a jolly you know he was taking the entire process of being involved in the MLS all-star game like you know this was a a serious fixture that that required him and his team to to put on an appropriate show you know there was no mucking about in the press conferences mm. no mucking about in his his interviews um it's about setting a you know preseason's about setting the tone isn't it for the the, the weeks and months to come and it's interesting to hear Balogun who was only kind of somewhat been around Arteta's squad before, um, really sounds like sounds like from those quotes he's almost taken aback. Um, because I don't always think preseason is like that. You know, there will be time for bonding. But I think with Arteta, given where Arsenal were last season, I think a big part of this is about setting expectations and, and minimum standards on and off the pitch. Um, and I think we just we saw that shine through in the way Arsenal went about the actual footballing work here, you know, they were assertive, aggressive, physical. They were as physical as um, they were as physical as as the MLS left backs kicking Bukayo Saka from pillar to post. And I think actually that's quite good. You know, Arsenal need to get used to mm. slightly in some somewhat inferior opposition to them hitting them hard, playing physically. Um, and it's good to see Arsenal respond in the same fashion. Do you think that is going to actually, now that you mention it, you know, there's lots of things we can talk about about the, the coming season, but do you think that might well be a 
an obstacle or a challenge that Arsenal are going to have to face? I mean, I think there is obviously a technical uh, gulf, you know, when you think about the Premier League versus uh, some MLS teams or MLS players, but there is still a gulf within the Premier League itself. Mm. So defensive organization, teams sitting deep, parking the bus, all those kinds of things are, are, are par for the course. But is there going to be a, a, a physical challenge that Arsenal are going to have to stand up to? And is perhaps the cultivating of an Arsenal side that are, you know, in the tunnel, if you're standing in the tunnel and you're looking at Gabriel and Saliba and Declan Rice and, you know, big guys in this Arsenal team, you're, you're probably going to think a little bit about how physical you're going to get with, with some of them because this looks like a team now that can actually stand up for itself physically as well as as well as deal with all the technical aspects of the game. Yeah, I mean, it feels quite obvious based on the business that Arsenal have done this summer that that they that Arteta understands that a physical presence is lacking. It, it was interesting when he one of the things he's mentioned about Havertz in the, the press conference was having someone that can break the line of the press with a long ball up to mm. up to him. I thought that was really noticeable. You know, it, it seems to me quite inevitable that teams will look to disrupt Arsenal physically next season because if things go the way we expect, I don't see many teams beyond the top four or five um, that can disrupt them technically. I think it may well be the only way that, that you can slow down a team like Arsenal. And equally because they won't have that, they, they still don't have the Man City aura. You know, when I see when teams play Man City, I don't actually think they're very physical. I think they cower. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think the manager set, send them out to do that. Mm. I just think they can't help it um, because Arsenal haven't won the title. Because Arsenal, you know, this iteration of Arsenal hasn't won much silverware. I don't think teams will be afraid of Arsenal, but I think they will think the way to beat this team is to rough them up. It's, you know, th these players aren't immune to. 25 years of stereotyping how you beat Arsenal, are they? Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, you know, do you, you know, the, the, the Man City uh, point you make is really interesting because there wasn't a period in Man City's history where they were a small technical team where big, brutish, Allardyce uh, managed teams, you know, would boot them up and down the pitch and, and get some joy out of that. And that perception that, you know, Arsenal don't like it up them as if anybody. Mm. enjoys being fucking kicked around, you know, that, that this is somehow unique to Arsenal. But it is it is sort of ingrained in the way people might think about Arsenal to an extent. I'm not saying that that's the, the sole identifying factor, but there is a track record of Arsenal being targeted with physical play that, that, that sort of doesn't apply to any other team really in the Premier League. Yeah, and I mean, you, you saw it rear its head again with Steven Gerrard, didn't you, at, at Villa? Yeah. Where it was a fundamental, almost complete misunderstanding of, of Bukayo Saka, the footballer, where he was sort of like, oh, you know, he, he treated Saka as this sort of flighty, you know, a Samir Nasri or one of those, or a Kleb, you know, a player that actually was afraid of contact. I don't get the sense Bukayo Saka's like that. Bukayo Saka's someone that wants you to try and foul him. Um, you know, God, I hope his ankles can, can take it over the next few years, but mm. he, he has the strength ball control precision to beat you when you dive in and he'll get hit a lot, but I don't actually get the sense that he and Arsenal mind. And you, you could tell last season, there was a deliberate attempt across the club to not like let that narrative form. I don't think they, 
can control it or get away from it. Because, mm. you know, those op- opponents will still see people like Jesus, uh, Saka, and think, how what what can I do to, to beat them? I'm going to have to try and impose myself on them. I think the challenge is that's not very, you know, you have to be very strong and very physical to beat Jesus in a, in a duel to, to bully Saka off the ball. Um, but it still might be like, you know, I don't want to sound too bullish about Arsenal next season, but it still might be that the best, it, it is the best option and it might work 20% of the time. But, you know, you trying to get the ball down on the, on the turf and, and outplay Arsenal. Mm. How often does that work? 5% of the time? Yeah. For, for, for 12, 14 Premier League sure. teams. Sure. And the other thing as well is if you are going to be physically imposing, you need to couple that with precision to avoid mm. the sort of yellow cards that should be uh, doled out to, to those players. But again, um, I'll wait and see when Bakayo Saka's on seven yellow cards, having been fouled 3,000 times next season before I, but, I go in but on But Declan that. Rice is going to make 3,000 fouls and get three yellow cards. That's good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Good point. Uh, yeah, it all it all weighs itself out. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit. You mentioned Kai Havertz, and you mentioned the the fact that Mikel Arteta referenced him as a kind of not a target man, but somebody who, in certain circumstances, can be deployed or, or positioned even. Even if he does start his, in that sort of left eight role, he can be positioned in certain phases of play as somebody who could give you an outball somebody who could allow you to to go over the press, if you like. Um, And he had some interesting quotes. I mean, he talked about Havertz, about his different qualities. He talked about uh, Jurian Timber, uh, saying he's a really versatile player. He gives you the capacity to invert, to occupy different spaces. Um, Referenced his aggression in the duels, which, of course, we know Mikel Arteta really Mm. enjoys. But he did say about next season for Arsenal, you know, we've, uh, I'm sure, all thought about, like, what way are we going to get better? What way are we going to improve? What way are we going to be different? And he said the idea is to be more unpredictable every year and more difficult for the opponents to stop and nullify what we want to do. That's what we have now, especially at the back and in the midfield options we have, to open up the spaces. We have many more options than we had last year. So it's clear, you know, we can think about Declan Rice, very good player, obvious signing. Kai Havertz didn't quite do it at Chelsea, but, you know, there is uh, and has been an excellent player in there. Jurian Timber, excellent player. And we can all, you know, make our own minds up about where these guys are going to play and what they're going to do. But when it comes to this kind of squad building, Mikel Arteta is thinking, I don't know if it's 4D chess or whatever you want to call it, but um, just actually regular chess. People who play chess, right, they think about two or three moves ahead. The reason why I'm no good at chess is because I I can't, I don't have that kind of mind that can envisage, you know, if I do this, he's going to do that. But it feels a little bit like Arteta's squad building is like that, that he's, he's seen the way probably opposition have come to terms a little bit with Zinchenko inverting into midfield as that left back. So they're all going to expect us to do that next season. What can we do that they won't expect, that they won't be set up for, that we can then exploit? It's 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 really exciting. I mean, it was Kivior did the Zinchenko thing mm. against the MLS, and I believe I didn't watch much of it. He did the same against Nuremberg, but I suspect that might not be the only way to use a Kivior if he's playing at left back. Um, 
you know, one thing, there was a lot of talk when Timber signed and, you know, I heard the same thing that, that they look at him as the sort of Zinchenko on the opposite flank. And I don't doubt that. But I don't think there's anything stopping him being uh, Arsenal's John Stones stepping out from central defence, especially if he's got Kivior and, and White as the fullbacks. And that that's how you form your back three with Gabriel. I mean, Gabriel can do this. He's a fantastic ball carrier. Saliba as well. We know he's outstanding and he'd be back in, uh, back in the back four in a heartbeat if he needed to be. Mm. Um, having, if your basic template, your, the, the way in which you progress the ball from goal kick onwards is completely unpredictable, then I don't really know how the opposition begins to plan for you to, to build in the final third, because they don't even know how you're getting to where you're going. Mm. This to me, I mean, this to me is absolutely massive and, uh, uh, and is the big thing I'm kind of expecting to see change from Arsenal is that their build-up from central defence will be much less reliant on that one way of doing it with Zinchenko and then when Zinchenko's not fit, forcing Kieran Tierney to do something he's just not kind of at ease doing. Mm. Um, that, like, that to me becomes the invigorating bit because then you can, you know, you can change how... Martin Erdegaard works as well. He, there's no reason why he can't be for for City for for us. I keep thinking about it in those City terms because they are in a position where they can do so much, or at least they were until they started letting go of every sort of fullback and wide player. Um, you know, Erdegaard can can drop deeper, and Ben White can play as the sixth or the fifth attacker. Mm. You know, a lot of even Arsenal supporters sort of seem to misunderstand a bit what White brings to the team. He's not, he's not a, or he's not always an inverted fullback. He's not always the third defender. He's very often bombing beyond Saka, yeah. making that front six. Um, and, then, uh, and of course, you know, everyone talks about Guy Havertz being, you know, the, the, the attacking midfielder, the 10, being back to what he was at Leverkusen. If he's anything like Granite Xhaka was in the first few months of last season, he's the striker again because Xhaka was that striker. Jesus and Martinelli were off on the left flank mm. doing their doing their nonsense and driving opponents mad. Um, it's it's. I think there's the, that, and it, one of the reasons why I'm actually watching some of these preseason games is that excitement of possibility and alternatives. And Arsenal did feel a bit predictable towards the end of last season. There's no shame in being predictable when your plan A has got you to 50 points from 18 games or whatever it was. But having A, B, C, D, it's going to be pretty helpful. Yeah, I mean, isn't isn't the, the fact that Arsenal were predictable down to the relative smallness of the squad or the, or the pool of players that Mikel Arteta really trusted? And now you look at this squad and you think, whoa, hang on a minute. We've got... Options on the left, options on the right, and I'm talking about in defence here. Um, we're stacked in the middle uh, now that Declan Rice has arrived, and and there are uh, there are players in there. There are so many players for that front three or that front five, as you talk about when you list off Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, Trossard, Jesus, Inkedia, Balogun, Smith Rowe, Nelson. You know there are. Loads of combinations. I'm sure I've missed somebody out there as well. Havertz, you know, um, there are so many combinations that Mikel Arteta could deploy and so many different ways in which he could deploy them. How much of a challenge do you think that's going to be for him? Because where he has succeeded 
in the last two years has been getting a really fine tune out of a small group of players. And he said himself that that you can't do that. You can't achieve what you want to achieve without having depth, without having quality, without being able to maybe rotate is the wrong word, but but provide the opposition with different uh, challenges within the game. He is going to have to, I don't know, relax a little bit and, and just mm. sort of embrace the full depth of his squad because it's really, really big. And like when, when we thought about Arsenal at the end of last season, and you're thinking, yeah, we need more depth. We need more quality in there. And now we're sort of on the cusp of a new season going, holy shit, we've got a lot of it. Now, there might be some departures, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but but there is a real need for Arteta to to sort of say, maybe my gut feeling is telling me to play this guy for this game, but I need to trust the guy who's maybe not quite the first choice, but who's in this squad so I can ensure my first choice is, is fit and ready for the next big game, whether it's a Champions League game or a Premier League game against tougher opposition. Yeah, in July and August, we always sort of see everyone in that in that squad as a a real option that's mm. going to get minutes. And then I think that, as you said, the big criticism of Arteta is when it comes down to those final weeks of the season. Some of these players, even really talented players, have just played so little in the months beforehand that you know you look at you know you looked at those games down the running and you were like, oh, you know. Martinelli's struggling, but can we really chuck Smith Rowe into the equation when he's not played at all, or Nelson, or Enketia, or Vieira? And so suddenly the squad, you know, you, maybe the squad was about 20 to pick a number, but it felt like 15 or 16 because Arteta had not used the games in the weeks beforehand to really take a look at players. Um, and I mean, one of the things City do fantastically is. There is a a core, a line that you can draw through that team that, that pretty much never changes. Edison, Rodri, De Bruyne, Haaland. I think Haaland missed a few dozen Premier League minutes. Um, you know, you can mm. count it on a handful. And yet, Mares, Grealish, Bernardo, none of them were over much over two thousand Premier League minutes. I mean, Saka was over three thousand. Now, I suspect that Saka will be around that level again this season because he is so, so good. But Arteta needs to to come up with a way of having a core of five, six players that don't change or, or change very infrequently across mm. Champions League and Premier League. Um, and setting that against using five or six players that will somehow, you will look up and go, oh, they've started, they've only started 12 games, but they've, they've got... 1800 minutes we're really getting value out of them um that's a challenge that's one we've not seen arteta do but then it's not one we see many people other than sort of your your guardiola's and angelo's because they don't have the choice yeah well that's it um he said at the end of the season or towards the end of the season you know you need to get to april and may with 22 or 24 players who are fit yeah. and ready to go maybe that was slightly over egging that particular pudding but i just had a quick count on the Arsenal website here, there are 31 outfield players listed as well as five goalkeepers, Ramsdale, Runison, Turner, Carl Hine, and Arthur Okonkwo. And we know, you know some of those guys are going to be on the move, whether it's permanently or um, on loan, uh, the goalkeepers. But, but certainly that outfield squad needs a good trimming down um, 
because there are just too many players, too many players to keep happy. Cedric, for example, not even in the squad for the for the US tour, not because of injury. I think uh, Kaya described it as a technical decision, uh, <laughs> you know, which is a very diplomatic way. Technically, you're shit. <laughs> Um, very technically uh, diplomatic, I have to say. But, you know, this is now the... Look, that, it's good to have that depth. And he may well end up with 22 or 24 players, mm. outfield players that he feels like he can use or certainly within the within the, the confines of his squad. But, you know, you do have to start trimming down and working with the players who are going to be with you Week in, week out. I'm not saying that anyone who is not going to be in the team is going to be disruptive or anything else, but it's also kind of pointless to have them around um, when you do want to focus on the hard work and preparing a team to do even better than last season. I mean, not least because in spite of what I rather cruelly just said there, none of these footballers are, well, very few of these footballers <laughs> are scrubs. Um, unlike, and for, you know, in years gone by, there were, it was a significant proportion. I mean, there were 31 players or something on the books at this stage of the summer. And you looked at them and you're just like, God, who on earth would want mm. to pay money for these guys? Whereas, you know, you look at that 31 now and you run down the list and you go, oh yeah, you know, 40 million, maybe, maybe more for, for Balogun. Tierney, that's, that's 25 million, mm. maybe. Um, you know, Rob Holding even has has takers, and yeah, you're probably never going to get a a world record. You're not going to get Harry Maguire money for for Rob Holding, whether or not he may well be as good as Harry Maguire. Um, but the, you know, it's almost like you know, I I look at a lot of players. It's the wrong way to do, it, but I'm sure Edu now looks at these players on his books and just sees pound signs and sees, oh, you know, if I can shift five of them out, that's mm. they they one of them is paying for a kudus or. Or whoever, that's you know, that's the uh, the old Edu adage of a of a player in his uh, late twenties, whatever it is, on big money that they're just then there are nothing, and there are very few nothings in this squad. I think it's it is quite kind of kind of quite sad now actually to see the guys that that are that that take on that that status. You know, a a, a Pepe, you almost you know, almost pity that, you know, that he's found himself in that, that situation because the the squad has has ploughed on mm. without him and that there's just no space for him. I mean, he's not even there. I mean, you were reporting this week that there was a potential move to a Saudi Arabian club, but that appears to have fallen by the yeah. wayside. Yeah. Um, just a, a fairly significant difference in, in what the, the salaries on offer are there. Um, what, what they were willing to offer him would still have represented it. A not insignificant pay rise on what he was on at Arsenal. Um, that was what I was told at least, but, uh, you know, that I think I, w w my thought thinking, this isn't reporting, but my thinking here is that if you are someone like Pepe and you know what Edu's done before, there is a financial logic to, to sitting out your contract at Arsenal until the last possible moment, waiting for, for Edu to feel compelled to, to write you a check to leave and then you make your decision then um I and mean, it's not you know it, you were closing up a lot of options and, and avenues then and i'm not sure i'm not sure the saudi avenue will reopen for pepe it might um you know if he's a free agent but it's the only i mean we've, we've said for years haven't we the one downside of of edu's approach of, of paying people to leave is that anyone else that gets in that situation knows that come august the 28th august the 29th 
they'll get that offer to go away and that it makes financial sense to take it. Yeah, I mean, it sets it sets a precedent. Um, I saw reports that Villarreal were interested in Cedric, but the financial uh, aspects of it, the wages were, were too high. Um, we know who, who represents Cedric and we know that, you know, they are going to, uh, as much as he might want to go play somewhere, and I, you know, I hope he does and I hope anyone, you know, any one of these players who's leaving Arsenal this summer you know, Nuno Tavares, Pepe, Rob Holding, these guys, I hope they do go and, and get to play and, and get to enjoy their football. But, you know, in the cold light of day or whatever you want to call it, football being a ruthless business at the best of times, you know, if you are Cedric and you do want to go play, you're going to say, well, fill my palm or cross my palm with silver and I'll I'll gladly go. Yeah. We'd all do the same in that situation, wouldn't we? Yeah. So... It's Manchester United and, and Barcelona on the US tour in, in the in the days ahead. We talked about Arteta taking these games seriously, but I suppose when you are facing other Premier League opposition, there's slightly more at stake. And when you're facing a team like Barcelona, who maybe aren't the Barcelona of the past, they're good marker games, aren't they? To, to sort of um, not quite set expectations, but to sort of gauge where you are. There are two more games before the season starts. Of course, there's the... Emirates Cup game uh, is against Monaco. I think it is. On a Wednesday night. Yeah. Weird. Very but, strange. you know, squeeze it in there. Yeah. And then, of course, the uh, Community Shield, which, again, is another uh, another one. Um, you know, the, these are games that Arsenal are going to take seriously. The fans out in the U.S. are going to enjoy, um, you know, seeing this team and seeing these players and the new signings and, and how they're fitting in and maybe getting some glimpses into what kind of little tweaks Arteta is going to, to put in place tactically. Yeah, I mean, we saw a year ago the enormous propulsive value of that win over Chelsea, that mm. 4-0. I mean, if we had known what was coming for Chelsea, by God, you know, <laughs> no, everyone would have not been getting so carried away with it. Um, I mean, if nothing else, it it did so much harm to Chelsea as well. What, a, mm. what value that win had. Um, it will be a lot, you know, Manchester United, a good team. I think their their challenge was actually not playing teams of Arsenal and Manchester City's mm. level last season. It was being the, the team that swats aside the little guys. Um, I don't necessarily think they've got much nearer to that by just adding Mason Mount and um, Andre Onana, who's, who's a fantastic goalkeeper. Mm. Um, if Arsenal... Arsenal should be a fair way ahead. They were, they've they have had 90 minutes more of, of friendly action and their squad is much closer to, to fully formed. I think Ten Hag's a good manager and I think he has the right idea, but it's almost, you know, whether you think he's of Arteta standards, it's almost like taking an Arteta-esque coach and, and thrusting him into the days of um, Usmanov and Kroenke fighting for control. Sure. It's not an environment that's conducive for success. And, um, you know, I don't think uh, Ten Hag has been put in a, an easy position where he can't, you know, he might end up with a, an un, paying seventy-five million for an untested striker from from Atalanta, Barcelona as well. I'd be intrigued to see if Barcelona are anything like the defensive force they were last season. How Arsenal go about breaking that team down? How they fare against a team that is just as capable of possessing the ball of running through midfield? Mm. Um, I mean, that would be a great one to see the Rice, Havertz, Erdegaard midfield three. Yeah, especially if you know. I mean. Javi, if you want to do us a favour, put out a De Jong, Pedri, Gavi trio, trio, and um, 
let's see who can uh, who can dominate the ball there. I think that would be a really valuable one for Arteta. Um, yeah, I think this preseason Arsenal, have quite, you know, as much as it doesn't, a few years ago it felt quite rubbish that these marquee big games from Premier League or paying the best opposition in Europe, it does actually mean that there's a little bit more value to the games mm. maybe than there were when Arsenal used to go and thump Barnet every year and pop over to Austria. I mean, you know, teams take them relatively seriously. Fans take them much, much, much too seriously. Um, <laughs> have, you, have you seen the, the comp that a Chelsea supporter did of Kai Havertz against Nuremberg? No, like they, I don't. I don't know if they paid the Arsenal paid Arsenal to watch that friendly so that they could um, take a video of him drinking a water bottle. But <laughs> like, God, it's summertime, guys. Go out and uh, touch grass, as the kids say. Yeah, I mean, I, I did see people talking about the um, Havertz in the MLS Skills Challenge or whatever it was. I'm like. It's a mini game. It's a mini game. Who could be, like, genuinely, who could be arsed? How seriously do you think they took this? I love that he then went and scored a volley. Yeah, he scored a good goal against against the MLS All-Stars. Yeah, I mean, there is... Uh, everything is is uh, an opportunity to stick it to the opposition fans, I guess, on Twitter, which is which is part of what this is. But I mean, uh, you know, so w- as much as I'm looking forward to seeing Arsenal against United and Barcelona, and obviously the rest of preseason play out at the same time, kind of wake me up when the season begins, mm. because because that's what what really really matters. Um, I just wanted to ask you, you know, you mentioned Manchester City and they've lost uh, Ilkay Gundogan to Barcelona. Could be Gundogan in midfield as well um, against against our lot. Uh, Mares could be off to Saudi Arabia. Al Ali, yeah. yeah uh, Bernardo Silva could be off as well. Don't think that will happen. Though. Okay. Um, but they are sort of open to regenerating their squad. The only player they brought in is Mateo Kovacic um, of any significance anyway. Mm. Um, does it feel like they're sitting on something? Does it feel like they're going to – I mean, they must know that – look, they tried for Declan Rice. They didn't get Declan Rice. They know that Arsenal are looking to improve and do better on last season. You can't stand still in the Premier League, even if you're Manchester City. Do you think they're – you know, Pep is in his little laboratory cooking up something ridiculous in the transfer market? Maybe the sort of great – value for Pep is that everyone thinks that he is and everyone is afraid <laughs> of him doing it because you know, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, and I was sort of um, messaging um, my editors yesterday. Um, there's a funny meme from the NBA last season of like, what are, what, you know, the, the Utah jazz are trading one of their best players and it's sort of, what are they, what are the jazz doing? Mm. And I was sort of saying, what are city doing? You know, uh, like you say, Mares, Kyle Walker might go, um, but they are such a. I think it's one of the reasons that, that there's so little um, blood and anger and gusto in the debates about City, is they're such a tediously well-run club um, that I kind of don't really see them doing something like going, oh gosh, you know, we had a, the biggest transfer budget in Europe, we've sold a load of players, trimmed the wage books, let's go and get Mbappe. They'll probably just go and replace Mares with Rafinha. Um, you know, Josco Gvardiol is coming in as well. Yeah. Um, they'll do fairly sensible things, but I don't, I don't feel like they will have at the end of it will go, you know, this is the same Titanic leap they took in getting Haaland. One of the interesting things is, 
especially if Walker goes, that Guardiola is really tying himself to, we play four centre-back-ish defenders. Yeah. Um, and obviously that worked fantastically. It was sort of the secret source that took City to another level in the final weeks of the season. But it, And it always feels at this stage like no one's ever going to work that out. But people always do. And it always grinds to a halt for some reason or another, even for a team like City. And I, I do wonder if they're going to be losing a bit of variety and optionality and if the squad might feel a bit shorter, maybe they're a bit more vulnerable to injuries. I know that this is July and this is the moment where, you know, everything looks rosiest for Arsenal and you can convince yourself that everything looks horrible for the teams around them. But I certainly don't feel like City are on the brink of doing something that will drag them further mm. away from Arsenal. And you you could also convince yourself that everything that happened in those last few weeks of the season, you've reached the peak of the mountain, haven't you? The motivation early on, they wouldn't be human if they didn't find it a little bit hard uh, going away to Burnley on Friday, the August the whatever. Yeah. I mean, that will be the that will be a challenge when you've sort of completed not completed football, but when you do something like the treble, um, famously didn't Per Mertesacker and Mesut Ozil talk about yeah. how difficult it was to motivate themselves for a new season at Arsenal after winning the World Cup. And that's not out of any lack of professionalism or anything like that. That's just human nature. So fingers crossed that Manchester City take their time uh, getting going. But they are such a juggernaut. Um, you just never know. All right. Listen, we better leave it there. Uh, pleasure as always to talk to you, James. Uh, enjoy the summer. My pleasure. Enjoy New York. Thank you very much indeed to James. You can find him on Twitter. He is at James Benj, at James Benj. And of course, he writes about Arsenal and football for CBS Sports. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, to give you a bit more on what's going on in New York this weekend, if you're in town, if you're there for the game and you want to catch up with other Arsenal fans, there's plenty going on. With me to talk about that from Arsenal NYC, it's Curtis Powers. Curtis, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm tired. I'm uh, <laughs> really looking forward to uh, the, the fruit of our labor uh, this coming weekend, yeah. Yeah, so what's going on exactly? Just let people know, because I'm sure there are people listening to this who are coming into town. They're going to go to the game on Saturday, but there are are uh, lots of uh, lots of things going on on Friday night. So, where are Arsenal fans going to congregate uh, on Friday evening? 
Yeah. So, well, you know, we're doing a an, an evening, uh, uh, an afternoon thing first, but uh, and on Friday evening we'll be uh, uh, joining at a place called the Torch and Crown, which is in uh, the iconic Union Square Park um, in New York City. Um, it's from seven until eleven p.m. Uh, we'll have the Gunnersaurus in 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 company. We'll have uh, lots of people singing songs. Uh, we'll have TVs. What you know with classic Arsenal videos of 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 times gone by. Sure. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Welcoming Arsenal fans from all over the world at this point. Yeah, they're going to come from all over. Um, it is from 7 to 11. It's a ticketed event. People do need to, to get, uh, buy a ticket to get in. Do they have to do it online or can they just rock up at the entrance and say, look, I want to buy a ticket. I'm here. Last minute decision. Can I come in? Well, we recommend you buy tickets because uh, we are coming very, very close to c capacity now. Um, also, uh, part of your admission goes to we're doing uh, a charity support. We're supporting two local charities in New York City. One's called New York Common Pantry uh, and one is called We Can Kick It. And so everyone who purchases a ticket will get one free raffle ticket. You can you can buy other raffle tickets, but we've got loads of like super, super exciting um, gifts, uh, raffle prizes, including we got a donation yesterday from a company called Blade that are a helicopter company that we're giving away two helicopter rides ah. to and from the game, um, which to <laughs> me just sounds so ridiculous and so cool at the same time that uh, it, it sounds like the thing to do. So uh, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. We'll, we'll be joined by uh, Ray Parler and Lauren, which uh, are going to be helping us to... Uh, to celebrate the raffle winners. So it's just going to be a lot of fun. Loads, it's a great brewery, loads of beer to drink. Good times. What more could you want in New York yeah. City on a Friday night? <laughs> I, th I, I literally thought you were going to say that this company had donated an actual helicopter. Someone was going to win. <laughs> Fucking air That would have been cooler. Something. I just don't know where I'd park it on my New York City rooftop. You know what I mean? Well, this is it. This is it. You might need to <laughs> sort of buy your own skyscraper in order to, to make the helicopter work as well. Exactly. Uh, but Go on. I do hear there's a there's a cheeky after party with uh, some some balded uh, Arsenal <laughs> people in attendance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to be doing some DJing afterwards uh, in O'Hanlon's on uh, 14th Street, so that should be good fun, good tunes, good music, uh, good drinks to have as well, so people can come along there after the the event in Union Square, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll do some sets and get people moving, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, and O'Hanlon's is just three blocks east of of the uh, actual party, and uh, all are welcome. But it's obviously first come, first serve, and it's always a party there um, with the the first and fourteenth Gooners. So uh, happy days! Yeah, yeah. Let's see. We've had some um, we've had some good nights in there, and some some <laughs> good have. mornings as well. Some actually. good mornings as well. Some so, goodly mornings, some I believe, very... uh, is the the pr professional term. Yeah, some very goodly mornings, <laughs> uh, and then of course game on Saturday. Uh, at the MetLife Stadium. Uh, is there anything going on beforehand? What do you guys call that tailgate stuff? Is that <laughs> is that happening? or? Yeah, so um, O'Hanlon's will be running some coaches that um, are already sold out. Um, and our our newest pub that has just been added to the, to the family, Old City, over on 8th Avenue, um, will be running three coaches from there. Um, and yeah, we'll be arriving. I think we're arrived. We, we depart at like two thirty, so I think that gets us into the state, into the parking lot around 
probably quarter past three and we'll be there for, you know, up until the time that we depart into the stadium. So yeah, it should be good fun. I know that uh, uh, a DJ that's joining us on Friday night, he's going to have a, a DJ set up in the parking lot. Oh, awesome. uh, there's there's going to be uh, grills and all the stuff, you know, but uh, I know that that's for the, for the O'Hanlon's lot. So we'll see what, uh, we'll see what else is going, but it's, it's definitely guaranteed to be uh I think a pretty ridiculously fun weekend. Okay, and hopefully we can, you know, stay away from all those Manchester United fans that are probably going to be in town as well. We don't want anything to do with those guys. All a good reason for the fact that we've managed to run our own coaches because yeah. you have to take some form of public transport uh, to the stadium, and so it was a it was a big deal for us to get those coaches. So yeah, yeah. For anyone listening who might be going to the game, what is your sort of local knowledge? What's your advice about you know if you're not on one of the coaches? What's the best way to get there? What's the best way to get back? You know, uh, it is a way out. It is. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, there are coaches that run from, um, you know, actually, I just received a, an email from MetLife because uh, at first we were hearing that they weren't running uh, actual trains, which is uh, which is quite interesting. Um, and uh, but there are coaches that run from from Port Authority, which is which is good. Um, and then um, I, I'm not sure. I think if you go to the MetLife website, you can find there are um trains that go uh, that are running um mm. i think it's called the yes it is actually just called the new jersey transit meadowlands line and uh yeah i think yep i'm seeing it right now on their site newjerseytransit.com slash meadowlands so yeah all right there you go um, i'm hearing the the sirens of the city behind you new york city <laughs> can't wait can't yeah. wait are you looking forward to seeing the team i mean how are you feeling you know all this event stuff aside this is obviously you know there's a lot going on with this preseason, but we're all on tenterhooks to see how the new season is going to go uh having seen what we saw last season what are you looking forward to most about the the new campaign well anyone who's ever heard me talk um for for my painful faults i'm a painful optimist no matter what uh and and to to a fault you know sometimes mm. um i'm absolutely buzzing you know obviously um you know i was just sharing with somebody last night you know tom and i went to the tom from O'Hanlon's and i we went to the wolves match uh which you know everyone says oh they bottled their season and blah 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 but like that match was electric and i feel like everyone in the ground it felt like a celebration it didn't feel like a loss and so to end the season like that, that, you know, you know, we ended as well as we could. Right. And, but I think we went into the season with intent, with not just picking up like, you know, the bottom of the barrel players. We, we set our sights on players we wanted. We got them. We, we signed, we, we re-signed the players that we had to keep. The intent from the club is, is I think greater than we've seen it in in the modern day for sure. Mm. And I, I can't think of any reason not to be optimistic and yeah. And just, I'm glad that we do these, these, what people used to call silly preseason friendlies, but at least we're playing competitive teams. Now we're not just playing, you know, some random club in Europe, you know, you know, these matches, you know, we're playing Man Manchester United, we're playing Barcelona with the complete first team squad. So it's, it gives us, you know, I'm, if it doesn't work in our favor during preseason, people will have their, it's not going to work out. It's going doom and gloom. But the truth is it gives them that chance. There's a few extra matches to like work out mm. what works well, what doesn't work well. 
and I think uh, I think we're going to see it. And I'm I'm really really optimistic about the season. So yeah, I'm buzzing buzzing to see the team. Bring it on! Bring it on! Absolutely, All right. yeah. All right. Well, look, we're in uh, it to win it, I believe. I think we are in it to win <laughs> yeah. it. Let's hope we can uh, get over the line this time. All right. Look, yeah. I will see you soon. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to uh, catching up over the weekend and uh, seeing a lot of the uh, fans from New York and, and far beyond as well who are going to be at that event on Friday night. Curtis, thank you very much indeed. And just one last thing to say, sure. um, you can still get your tickets at arsenal.nyc. There's a, a link right on the top of the page uh, for more info and the ticket link button. So get on it. Do what the man says. See you later. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you very much indeed to Curtis. You can find him on Twitter at Curtis Powers, at Curtis Powers. And as he said, if you want tickets for the event on Friday night in New York, go to arsenal.nyc. You'll get all the information there. Right. That is just about that for today's show. I've got to pack my bags and head for the airport and all the rest. In terms of the blog, Andrew Allen's going to keep it going for a couple of days, and Andrew is heading out to L.A. Lewis Ambrose will be in the blog hot seat, so to speak, and he'll make sure that you've got your daily dose of Ars Blog. Everything will continue as normal on Ars Blog News. As well as that, we will keep the podcast schedule going. It'll be a bit later in the day than usual, but we will have an Arscast Extra for you on Monday. And, of course, we will bring you another Arscast next week. For those of you on Patreon, we'll try and bring you some exclusive U.S. tour content. If you want to sign up, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash arseblog for now take it easy folks looking forward to catching up with as many of you as possible out there in the u.s in new york and los angeles and of course getting to see the new players turning out in arsenal red and white or fluorescent yellow and sausage whatever it might be because time is tight there is no end bit at the end of this podcast sorry about that but uh you know we'll get you again on that front for now take it easy folks and we will catch you on the next one until then cheers bye-bye Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.